week, we witnessed the January 6th committee's first primetime hearing, and we talked about two big-name candidates running for Senate and both of them winning their individual state primaries. You're listening to Politics Schmolitics, and this is the week of 6 12-2022. Hello, everyone. I hope you've been having a nice summer so far. Where I'm at, it's already 100 degrees, and it's relatively early summer. I, I don't live in the south. I live somewhat northern. I'm in the Midwest. So, you know, we don't usually get the weather this hot unless it's July. So it's, it's hot weather where I live. Either way, let us begin. January 6th, 2021 was a whole year and a half ago. I mean, it doesn't feel like that long, but (laughs) it was a whole year and a half ago. Trump and friends held a Save America rally in Washington, D.C., where Trump and other speakers had pushed for Mike Pence to decertify the election results. And Mike Pence had said that, you know, he doesn't have the power to do it. And if Trump had found a way for him to do it, he wasn't going to do it. But, you know, Trump was still pushing on. And Trump had said at the rally that you will never take our country back with weakness and that we will never give up and we will never concede. Now, this rally ended just as the counting of the electoral votes, which is it's just the official and final way of certifying the election results. It's more of it's more about ceremony. It's not it wasn't really a place where the election results could be overturned, at least until Trump came that changed the whole game, I guess. And just as this session of Congress was about to begin, just as they were about to start the session of Congress to count the electoral votes, Trump had told everyone in the crowd to go march down to the Capitol to support their lawmakers in Congress and give them the courage to take back our country. Now, from here on, the crowd, it sort of made its transition from a crowd into, you know, rioters. And um, as they moved towards the Capitol, they started breaking through police lines until they eventually managed to enter the Capitol, stopping the session. And while they were at it, they made a fool out of our democracy, breaking into congressmen and women's offices, taking items from the Senate chamber, and attacking our policemen and women. All of this just to overturn an election that had already been decided months before. I mean, never before in U.S. history have we seen a president abuse the peaceful transfer of power in this way. You know, Trump had declared election fraud three days before the election results were even finalized. He declared it November 4th. The election results were finalized. Joe Biden was predicted winner on November 7th. So three days before anything even happened. And from there on, Trump had pressured state officials. One issue particularly in Georgia where Trump pressured Brad Raffensperger. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. And Trump had pressured him. He was the Georgia Secretary of State. He pressured him to find 12,000 votes so that the election results in Georgia could have been overturned. Trump, he went on a legal war sort of all over the country. He had legal battles in many states, rarely winning any of those cases. And he also pressured officials in his government to leave so he could replace them with others more willing to act on his lies. Those others weren't exactly qualified for the position, but they were more willing to act on his lies. And as a result of all of this, he became the first and only president to be impeached twice by the House of Representatives. All of this in only one term. 
Now, in July, where the in July the January sixth committee was formed, and from there on, they've conducted interviews with over a thousand witnesses. And last Thursday, June ninth, we witnessed the first hearing. Caroline Edwards, an officer that day who was on the first lines, she suffered brain damage from the riot. She described the chaos around her. It was something like I had seen out of movies. I couldn't believe my eyes. There were officers on the ground. They were bleeding. They were throwing up. I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces, and I was slipping in people's blood. That's very vivid imagery, and you know this this crowd is the total opposite of what most conservatives call you know a peaceful rally over exaggerated by Democrats. You know this is the exact opposite of that. Um, after there was also this short ten minute documentary type film shown, and it went all the way back to ten a.m. two hours before the rally. Um, it followed the Proud Boys, which. In simplest terms, is a white supremacist Trump-loving group, and it followed the Proud Boys. It went from there to showing the rally, um, then showed the first lines of police being broken through and all the other lines until they managed to breach the Capitol. It showed the session of Congress stopping and going into recess, which is basically just them taking a break. The video shows how the crowd stayed up to date with Trump's tweets, showing a person yelling into a megaphone, reading out the latest anti-Pence Trump tweet in front of a crowd. And from there on, the video mainly showed clashes between the rioters and the police. And it was just sad to see officers having to suffer this abuse. You know, they were being insulted, dehumanized. They were literally being thrown. It's not something that you really see in a country like America. I mean, sure, in third world countries, maybe, but not America. The video closed with an audio from an interview with Trump saying that these were peaceful people. They were great people. The crowd was unbelievable. And I mentioned the word love, the love in the air. I've never seen anything like it. He has a different definition of love, I guess. It was also revealed in the hearing that Trump wasn't the one who called the National Guard. It was actually Pence who called the National Guard. And, you know, Trump never really did anything to stop the riots, almost like he didn't want the riot to end. Bill Barr, the U.S. Attorney General who had Trump's back for so many years, revealed that he couldn't accept the election fraud claims and now this is the guy that was right with Trump through the impeachment trials, and he still couldn't stay with Trump through the fake election fraud claims. Remember, back in December, he'd actually resigned. Um, it was revealed that even Trump's own daughter didn't believe his election fraud claims. She said that she respected Bill Barr, and him not believing the claims changed her opinion on it as well. Even when his own daughter didn't believe him, he still decided to mislead millions. Some time ago, we talked about Mehmet Oz and Herschel Walker, two big-name candidates who were entering their state Senate races. Oz was a reality TV show host and a surgeon who hosted The Dr. Oz Show, in which he discussed viewer health concerns. Um, he'd actually had to testify in front of Congress because he'd promoted fake miracle weight loss pills on the show, you know, giving false hopes to many people. Um, later, back in the, in, in the pandemic, Oz also promoted hydroxychloroquine, which was a treatment for COVID that Trump and conservatives had really hyped up, but it turned out to be ineffective against COVID-19. Dr. Oz wasn't 
really in the political scene all too much. I mean, back in 2016, when Trump was still just a guy running for president, Oz had him on his show, and he gave Trump a sort of checkup. And um, some people saw that as him promoting the president. But up until the pandemic, where he started appearing on Fox News and arguing for schools to reopen and where he was promoting hydroxychloroquine, he wasn't really all too much in politics. In fact, he wasn't even living in Pennsylvania, the state in which he's running for Senate for. He wasn't even living in Pennsylvania for quite some time. He'd actually moved to Pennsylvania recently from New Jersey. Pennsylvania is a much more conservative state than New Jersey. You know, it's raising a lot of eyebrows, even with people close to Trump, such as Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon was the chief strategist for Trump in the White House, and he was even pardoned by Trump. So, you know, a lot of hardcore conservatives are wondering where, you know, Oz all of a sudden came out of. Either way, Oz's biggest competitor in the Republican primaries for Pennsylvania was David McCormick. And the Republican primaries were just to decide who the Republican Party's nominee was going to be for the open Senate seat. It's not like if you won, you get the Senate seat. Just who the Republican Party you're going to put forward to face the Democratic nominee. David McCormick worked under the George Bush presidency as the Undersecretary of Treasury for International Affairs, which is a high-ranking position in the administration. And he was the CEO of Bridgewater Associates, which is like, it's the world's largest hedge fund. And hedge funds are just a place where a bunch of people pull their money together and use it to invest, and they each get a share of that investment. But, you know, it costs, it costs a fee to join a hedge fund. Now, Trump had met with both, but he ultimately decided to endorse Oz. And I think that made the real turning point because Oz ended up winning by only... 900 points which was 0.07 so a razor razor thin victory and it proves just how important trump's endorsement is to any candidate now it wasn't all that smooth oz didn't just like win by 0.007 there had to be a recount because under state laws if if the results came in anywhere between half a point, there would be an automatic recount. And during the recount, Trump was posting on a social media company, Truth Social. He was just posting there because he's banned pretty much everywhere else. So he was posting on Truth Social saying, Dr. Oz should declare victory. It makes it harder for them to cheat with the ballots that they just happen to find. It's a bit weird considering that Dr. Oz ended up winning and they didn't find any ballots to flip the results, so... I mean, what? Where is this? Where is this fraud, Mr. Trump? Either way, Oz, despite the many conservative ideologies he had embraced for the seat, he still never went as far as embracing election fraud. Which, you know, in this modern day, being a conservative, that that's respectable. Now, Herschel Walker was a star college football player who received the Heisman Trophy, which is the biggest award a college football player can receive. From there on, he went into the NFL and eventually signed on to Donald Trump's football team, which is part of a league that was also owned partly by Trump. The league broke down after three seasons. Herschel also helped Trump back when he was running for president in 2016 and 2020. And now, in 2022, Walker, Herschel Walker, he's the one running against Raphael Warnock, who is the incumbent, meaning Raphael Warnock is the person who's holding the seat, and he's looking for re-election. 
Now, um, Herschel Walker, he easily won the Republican primary, beating his closest competitor by almost 55%. And it was mostly just because of Trump boosting his campaign a ton and Herschel's fame from back when he was a football player. Now, if Herschel won just because, you know, he was a good candidate, that's not the case, folks. He... He literally skipped debates. He tends to fib a lot. He claimed he graduated from college, but he didn't. He then claimed he, he used to be an FBI agent. He wasn't. And he's largely exaggerated the, the success and the amount of jobs his company created. And when he was asked a question about gun control, his answer was, and this is word for word, folks. You can't make this up. His answer was, what about getting a department that can look at young men that's looking at women that's looking at their social media? I mean, I have no words for that answer. It, does, it doesn't even make sense. I mean, candidates, they do slip up, but the amount that Walker slips up, it's something else. I mean, it makes sense why he'd want to skip the debates. He's spoken out about fatherless households. But it turns out this week it was revealed that he was part of the problem. He'd had a child many years ago, but he'd kept it a secret. And he did what he spoke out about, and he left that child. As I said before, Walker really owes the fact that he has somehow made it this far. And he owes it pretty much to Trump's endorsement and his football career. Personally, he doesn't, at least to me, he doesn't seem qualified for this seat at all. But the thing is, all the Republicans need this fall is someone to win back one seat. And if Walker has enough popularity to win that seat and to help the Senate regain majority, I mean, it's good for them. They'll, they'll take him. He, he's not like the type of person to rebel from the party. He's just going to be a trustworthy person who will vote with them on their issues, you know? Go-to person, trustworthy. He might not be the best senator, but I guess the Republican Party don't really need someone you know, groundbreaking at this point. Well, folks, that was pretty much it for this week. Hopefully, we're going to get an episode down this weekend, early next week, about the hearings on Monday. I didn't want to put the hearings on Thursday and Monday together. I wanted to split them up. So, yes, episode soon about the hearings on Monday. And yes, that was pretty much it for this week. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to our mailing list. All you need to do is send an email to politicsmolitics2022 at gmail.com. That email is located on our website or the little bio of our podcast. Um, I'll send you a new email every single time I release an episode. And that email will have links to all of the platforms that my podcast is on. Also, feel free to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Great way of expanding our audience making this podcast bigger and giving me feedback plus feel free to spread the word with friends family aunts uncles really anyone you were listening to politics schmaltics and this was the week of 6 12 2022